Well, recently I came across the story of a rising young attorney who hated his job. What he really wanted to do was write. For years he dreamed about becoming an author, but other things had always gotten in the way. One day, in a fit of resolve, he took out his pen and wrote down on the calendar the next day just one word, write. In fact, he wrote that word down on every space on that calendar for the rest of the month. He made a plan that he would get to work an hour early every day and try to write just one page. That was his plan. An hour a day, a page a day, and see what happens from there. By now you've probably figured out that rising young attorney was John Grisham. And he's become perhaps the most prolific and best-selling author of our day. Over 30 books published to date. That's the power of intention. Intention can be defined as a plan of action or an aim that guides action. Intention is a one-two punch of decision and action. You decide and then you do. And intention is the key to success in any endeavor in life, whether it's writing a book or getting in shape or finding a job or asking someone out. At some point, you get beyond thinking about it, dreaming about it, praying about it, and you decide you're going to do something, and you take your first step. You sit down at the desk, you join the health club, you post your resume, you pick up the phone and say, hey girl, want to go out? <laughs> and you're on your way to a better future. That's the power of intention. And it's the power we're going to discover today. Welcome to Intention Sunday. Now I realize you folks already understand the power of intention because somewhere along the way this morning you decided, I'm going to church. <laughs> and you didn't just decide, you put your boots on, you went out and you cleared the driveway to get yourself here, so way to go. For six weeks now, we have been dreaming about what God might want to do in our lives in church over the next few years. We have been challenging ourselves to become the generous people we want to be and that God wants us to be. We've been asking God to show each of us what He would have us to do to move into that new future. And it's been a good series. We've gotten good feedback. The campus pastors did a great job last week. But today, we're going to move beyond talking and dreaming and praying. Today, we're going to do something. We're going to make a decision and take our first step. Now, if you have been snowed in for the past six weeks or been in Florida hiding out or something, let me just take a minute and catch you up. Next is a generosity initiative. Uh, this generosity initiative is designed to help our church help us in two ways. First of all, to help us all grow in the grace of giving and also to raise funds to support the ministry here at Grace for the next couple of years. Next is about following a God who's on the move, about being ready to step into the next chapter that He has for our lives and our church. Now, some people are continuing to ask me, isn't this just a capital campaign? Not really. It feels like it, perhaps, but it's different. In a capital campaign, people make over and above financial commitments to some special capital project, a building or something. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with capital campaigns. We've done them here before, and God has blessed them, or none of us would be worshiping anywhere today. So God honors that. A generosity initiative is different. This is about our regular giving, week by week, to support all the ministries of our church on our campuses, in our city, and around the world. The primary focus is not a financial one. It's a spiritual one, that we would grow in the grace of giving and that we would take steps of faith. So over these past weeks, we have been reminding ourselves of the fact that every week, thousands of lives are impacted by Grace Chapel Ministries. Children, teenagers, young adults, singles, married, family, seniors. We've heard stories of of lives transformed, of marriages restored, of families strengthened, of addictions broken, of neighborhoods and communities rehabilitated, of friendships in Christ that have been formed. All these things going on every week through our church. From, from Wilmington to Watertown, from Lynn to Dorchester, from Moldova to Malawi, the sun never sets on Grace Chapel's ministries. That really is literally true. Every day, every week, all around the world, good things are happening through the ministries of grace. And that ministry has grown substantially in these past few years as we've added campuses. And so part of our goal in this, in this initiative is to raise the funds to support that ministry in the next couple of years. In addition to that, money we need for those regular ongoing ministries, we're also hoping to raise some additional funds that enable us to go after two strategic priorities. The first is reaching and raising the next generation of Christ followers, investing deeply in our ministries to children and teenagers and young adults. And then secondly, to resource our campuses for greater growth and impact. We believe there's great potential through our campuses and we need to lean into them a little bit more. Now, we've talked about that in past weeks, and you can read about it in the brochure, so I won't take more time to do that uh, this morning. But a few people have asked, how would we use these additional funds if we were to receive them? Well, here are a few ideas. It would enable us to hire a few key staff members, pastoral staff members, who could help mobilize the many leaders and volunteers here at Grace to support our campuses and to serve in the city and around the world. It would enable us to fund some internships that would also strengthen our ministry team and develop new emerging leaders for the kingdom. We could explore some expansion possibilities in Wilmington and Watertown in particular and perhaps have some seed money for a next campus if and when God opens up that door. And it would provide us with some funds for strategic investments with partners in the city and around the world. So that's what Next is all about. And today, instead of talking about it, dreaming about it, praying about it, we're going to do something. We're going to make a decision and take our next step. We're going to declare our intention to follow God into that future by making a financial commitment for the next couple of years. Because we believe something powerful happens when you make a decision and put it in writing. 
So I hope you all have an intention card in your hand. You should have gotten one when you came in. Maybe you brought one. I'm going to ask the ushers. If, uh, if you didn't get a card, we just kind of slip a hand up where you are, and uh, they'll make sure you get a card. Don't worry. You're not signing your life away or anything. I just want you to have a card in your hand so you can follow along and participate. They'll make sure that you get one. I'll talk you through that at the end of the, at the, end of the service. But we're going to have a really meaningful moment at the end of our service today. I can promise you, you're not going to be asked to do anything that you don't want to do cheerfully and willingly, but I think it's going to be a meaningful moment. If you happen to be a guest here today, if you're just exploring faith or checking out Grace Chapel, we're thrilled you're here. Listen in for a little while, get a sense of what we're all about, and come back next week as we start a new series, okay? So having said all that, I am ready to get to our scripture text. How about you, okay? We're going to be in the book of Joshua today. I want to take you to an Old Testament story that on the face of it seems to have almost nothing to do with money or giving, but it has a lot to do with faith. And ultimately, giving is an act of faith. It is believing that God can and will provide and that He will use what we give to make an eternal difference in the lives of people in this world. So let's get to the book of Joshua. We're going to be in chapters 1 and 3 this morning. Before we actually get into that, I probably need to pause and, again, give a shout-out to the New England Patriots. They certainly earned their championship, no doubt about that. I'm especially grateful because they put you all in a good mood for Intention Sunday. So I'm deeply grateful for that, okay? Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert and from Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, and to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. So here are the Israelites on the threshold of the promised land. A broad and spacious land, we're told. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land that is theirs for the taking. But let's remember, they have been here before. Forty years earlier. God had delivered them from the land of Egypt, brought them to this very spot on the very threshold of the same promised land and invited them to go in. But they turned back. They were afraid. They, they weren't sure God could provide for them in that new land. Weren't sure He could give them victory over those people. And so in fear and doubt and uncertainty, they turned back. And they spent the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness until almost that whole generation had passed away. But God is always on the move. He's not about to abandon his people or his purpose. And so 40 years later, he leads them back again to that very same spot and invites them once again to enter into the land. Only one thing stands between them and that promised land, the Jordan River. And at that particular location, at that particular time of year, the Jordan River presented a formidable obstacle. The people of Israel were about a million strong, more than a million strong at this point. How in the world were they going to get all those men, women, children, livestock, and supplies across that river and into the new land? 
So there's a lesson here for all of us as we make our journeys of faith. There's always a Jordan River standing between us and God's next chapter for our lives. There's always a Jordan River standing between us and God's next chapter for our lives. There's always an obstacle. There's, there's, there's always a fear. There's, there's always a reason for turning back. There's always a reason for staying put. And that certainly is the case for us as we consider our participation in the next initiative. We want to be generous people. We know it's the best way to live. We want our church to be everything God would have it to be. We want our church to be here for generations to come. But there's this river of doubt and fear and discomfort standing between us and that future. Maybe, maybe you don't like change. Maybe you've never given regularly to a church before. Maybe you don't like all this talk about money in church. Maybe this is a tough season for you financially. It's never easy to take that step of faith, especially when it comes to giving. Karen and I can attest to that. We've been to decision moments like this many, many times over, over the years in the churches that we've been part of. We've had these conversations, God, what do you want us to do next? And they're not easy conversations to have. You want to be generous, but you have responsibilities. You want to act in faith, but you want to be wise. Sometimes one wants to be more generous, sometimes the other wants to be more generous. More than once, we've had to take a break from that conversation and say, let's come back to it later. These aren't easy conversations. They're not easy decisions to make. There's always a Jordan River between you and the next thing God has in store for you. There's always a reason for staying put. But here's the lesson for today. When we step forward in faith, we cross over into new and promising territory. When we step forward in faith, we cross over into new promising territory. Now, for the people of Israel, it meant finally having a land of their own instead of wandering in the desert for 40 years. It meant waking up to milk and honey on their Cheerios instead of manna and water again. And there's new promising territory for us, too. God wants us to be free from the love of money. He wants us to know the joy of a generous life. As a church, He has so much more for us to experience and to do. He has new discoveries for us to make in the Scriptures. He has new friendships for us to form in Christ. He has new people He wants us to reach and bring to Him and bring into the fellowship of the church. New neighborhoods He wants us to move into and bring the good news of God. New initiatives, new partnerships that He has in store for us. But there's this river of doubt and fear and discomfort between us and that next chapter. It's going to take a step of faith to get there. So let's jump ahead to chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. 
When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. So here they are now on the banks of the Jordan River. And for three days, they sit there and they watch it. They watch this swollen river flowing by them. They know they have to get across it to enter that promised land. But there's no reasonable plan for getting there. There's no bridges being built. There's no boats being collected. There's no reconnaissance parties sent up or downstream to find a better way to cross. There's no reasonable way to get there. But they know that when the ark comes by, they're supposed to follow it because the ark represents God's presence. And God is always on the move. And sure enough, he's on the move here again. And this is the scary part because he says, you have never been this way before. Never been this way before. This was new territory they were headed into. God had provided them with manna and quail in the wilderness, but could he provide for them in that new land of Canaan? Sure, God had delivered them from the Egyptians, but those Hittites, those Canaanites, those whateverites, they were nasty people. Could God really give them victory in that new land? They weren't sure. In a similar way, God is asking us to follow Him. And for some of us, some of us, it means following Him into a place we've never been before. Maybe you have never given regularly to a church. Maybe the thought of tithing, giving a percentage of your income to the Lord on a regular basis, that, that's a foreign concept for you. Maybe you're facing a big financial challenge right now in your life. Maybe you're trying to buy your first home or, or, or get your kids educated or prepare for retirement. I mean, you've never been that way before. Who knows what you're going to need? Who knows what the stock market's going to do? It takes faith to follow God to an unknown future. Five years ago, many of us had never heard of a multi-site church. Would that even work in New England? I mean, who would go to a campus? It took faith to take that step to pursue that future. It took faith for some of you to, to leave your Lexington campus and go off and launch something new somewhere else. We, we lingered for a while on the banks of that river before we stepped over. But aren't we glad we did? Aren't we amazed at what God has done in these recent years? We don't want to miss that again. And so we want to be ready to follow. So verse 5 says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. To consecrate yourself is to prepare yourself. It's to present yourself to God for His purposes. And that's what our next initiative is all about. It, it allows us to present ourselves to God in a very tangible way by bringing our financial resources to Him. Now, there's certainly more to consecration than, than what we give financially, but it's a pretty good place to start. As the saying goes, there's only about 18 inches that separates your heart from your wallet. As Jesus put it a little more eloquently, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. 
So if we can get our hearts in a good place before God, well, the other things will probably fall into place as well. So the people consecrate themselves. In other words, they decide, yes, we're going to go. But then the moment comes and the ark passes by and they need to follow. So let's pick it up at verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the priests who carry the ark of the covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now that's an interesting plan. <laughs> who needs a bridge or a boat? Just go stand in the river. I got to believe there's some grumbling in the camp right about now. Who's in charge around here? What kind of plan is this? Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. As soon as their feet touched the water's edge. In other words, until that very moment, there was no guarantee that God was going to come through. There was no reason to believe that by stepping into that water, suddenly it would stop and the waters part and they go through on dry ground. But that was the step they need to take. That somewhere between the time they lifted up their foot and put it down, God would come through. God would do something. And that's how it always works on this journey of faith. He, he leads us to the threshold of some new thing he wants us to do or to be part of. He, he, he gives us a vision of what we can become with his help or something he wants us to do as a community of faith. He, he reminds us of all the ways he has provided in the past. He brings us right up to the water's edge. And then he says, go ahead, take a step. And it's not until we take that step of faith that we're able to experience the miraculous hand and work of God. And that's what it means to live by faith. That's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit, is to take a step of faith, following Him to a place you've never been before. And our next initiative provides us with an opportunity to do that, to follow God into this next chapter of our lives and of our church. Again, there are many other steps to take besides financial ones, but this is an important one. And it's going to be a different step for each of us. So let me take a moment and bring you back to uh, something we talked about a few weeks ago, to the generosity journey, and help you figure out where you are on that journey and where you might be going next with the Lord's help. For some, your next step might be to begin giving to your local church, whether it's Grace Chapel or another church. In other words, you're a new giver. Now, maybe you've been attending church for a while and you've enjoyed what's happening there, but you've never seriously given anything. But you're sensing that now's the time to trust God financially and to make it an investment in that local church. You're a new giver. For some, your next step might be to become a regular giver. Not sporadically, not impulsively, but week by week, month by month. Not seeing how much you have in your wallet when the plate comes by. Not seeing how much is left in the bank account at the end of the month. But thoughtfully, intentionally setting aside a sum of money, weekly, monthly, and giving it to God's work. 
For some, your next step is to become a proportional giver, to decide on a percentage of your income that you'll give to God's work. Now, most Christians will agree that 10% is the biblical benchmark, the tithe. Now, that may seem like an enormous step for you. So maybe you work your way there from 2 or 3% to 5% to 7 to 8 to 10%, and you get there over time. For some, your next step is to move beyond tithing to abundant giving. Because it doesn't take long when you make this journey to realize that 10% isn't nearly enough. It's not nearly enough to express your gratitude to God. It's not nearly enough to satisfy your heart of compassion for a world in need. It's not nearly enough to be able to participate in what God's doing in the world around. And so folks will go to 12 and 15 and 20% and even more. As you can see, this is all a very personal matter. It's between you and the Lord. There's no set amount in the Scripture to give, and there's no set amount here at Grace Chapel or your church to give. It's a decision you arrive at based on your circumstances and the Lord's prompting in your life. But whatever it is, it's a step of faith. It's stepping out and believing that God will provide, not only for your needs, but that God will grant us such joy and peace and fullness of life more than we could ever buy with those dollars if we spent them on ourselves. And today we have an opportunity to take a step like that. Imagine with me for a minute. Imagine what could happen if everyone who attends Grace Chapel took just one step towards a more generous life. Imagine that. Thousands of households taking their next step of generosity. If we were all to do that, I have no doubt God would do more than we could ever ask or imagine, not only in the life of our church, but in our lives personally as well. And that's the opportunity that's before us today. One more thing I want to show you. Let's go to the closing verse, 17. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I mean, what an experience that must have been to walk across a dry riverbed. What I want you to notice is that all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing. In other words, every single Israelite got to take their own step on that journey. Every one of them experienced firsthand the miraculous hand of God. Every one of them for the rest of their lives could point back to that moment, that day, that step, and know that God was with them and God could be trusted. And we have a very similar opportunity here in this moment for everyone to experience it. That's what I love about a generosity initiative. Because this is not about over and above giving. It's not about, about going way beyond what you're doing. It's about your regular ongoing giving to the life of the church. Everyone can participate. If you plan to give anything at all over the next two years to the ministry of Grace Chapel, you get to play. You get to be a part of the story. You can write that number down on that intention card and participate with us. Our, our, our kids' town has been studying generosity. Our middle and high school students are going to be participating with us. Everyone gets to be part of it. And I want you to know, we are just as interested in how many people participate 
as we are in how many dollars are provided. And I mean that with all my heart. We are just as interested in how many people participate as how many dollars are provided. Because I know if, if hearts are open and available to God, He is more than able to provide all that we need to do all that He asks us to do. I do want you to know that our pastoral staff and our elders are 100% in. They have all made their intentions already, as have some of our ministry leaders as well. So at this point, we already have $2 million, over $2 million committed for the next two years. So that's a great start. We have a long way to go. And the good news is everyone gets to be a part of the story. So in just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to participate in a meaningful way. But before we do that, I want you to hear one more story. Each week along the way, we've been sharing some stories from folks at Grace who've talked about how God's been at work in their lives. So would you welcome Joan to the platform with me as she comes to share a little bit of her story? Thank you, Joan. Why don't you take a moment, just kind of introduce yourself and a little bit of your Grace Chapel story. Yeah, so I've been attending Grace Chapel for almost 20 years now. So basically my entire adult life since coming to Boston and going to school here. And over the years, I've been involved in a lot of different ministries. I led a life community group for about six years. I serve on the leadership team for our English for Speakers of Other Languages, or ESOL ministry. And uh, currently, I serve on the welcome team at Watertown. So hello to Watertown. All right. Very good to have you. Uh, Joan, we've been asking folks to kind of share. Everyone has a different journey, giving story. What's a little bit of your giving story been like? Yeah. So I was very fortunate to grow up in a home with um, Christian parents who taught me to be responsible with money. And they also taught me about giving and generosity and this principle of giving first and best to your local church. And so tithing and um, giving to church was a normal part of our everyday family life that we talked really openly about. And I internalized those messages and knew that someday when I started working that I would be tithing to my church as well. And when I was first starting out in my career, that was really difficult. I didn't feel like I had a lot of money and I had student loans to pay off and I wanted to save for a house and I wanted to save for retirement. And another factor for me as well is that it's just me. I'm, I'm not married, so I don't have a, a husband or a family to consider. And in some ways, I think that maybe makes it easier because it gives me a certain amount of flexibility and independence. But in other ways, it's harder because it's a lot of pressure to feel like there's no one else to support me or my future. So I've had to be mindful of that as well. Okay. Uh, you told me there was a, kind of a defining moment for you not too long ago. Why don't you tell that story? Yeah. So a defining moment in my giving journey uh, was with the New Day of Grace campaign a few years ago. And um, leading up to a, a Sunday very much like today when we would all declare our financial intention, I had been thinking a lot about, um, you know, what number should I write on my card? And in coming up with that number, I, I considered a lot of financial demands that I had at that time. I was paying off some home renovations, and there are a lot of um, other uh, causes that I'm passionate about. Um, so I came in that day with a, a number on my head, but while I was here, God put um, a totally new number, a much bigger number, on my heart. And I, I had so much trepidation about that because it didn't really fit into my perfectly thought out plans, but I, I knew it was a really important step of faith for me, so I wrote it on the card anyway. And I very specifically remember in that moment thinking to myself, I think this is what sacrificial giving feels like. All right. So what, what happened then? <laughs> so many things happened that I never would have imagined. Um, so I did get a lot more um, purposeful and thoughtful about how I was spending my money. 
And um, that, combined with some unexpected work blessings, uh, made it possible for me to meet that financial commitment. And even then some, I was able to go above and beyond it, which I, I never would have guessed. But it's not just the, the financial piece for me, um, because I, another way that I was blessed that I didn't foresee at the time was through the new campuses, which was such a big part of New Day of Grace. And um, you know now I worship at Watertown, which has been such a blessing for me and has really re-energized me and reaffirmed my commitment in so many ways to Grace Chapel and brought me new ways of serving and new blessings too. Amen. Well, thank you, Joan, for sharing your story. Can we say thanks to her? Um, Just one of dozens and dozens of stories I've heard from folks over the past months about this. Uh, her story reminds us how important a moment like this can be in our journey of faith and our growth in the grace of giving. And so I'm glad we have an opportunity to mark a moment together today. So I'm going to ask you now, if you take out your intention card for a moment and let, you, let me just walk you through that and explain how this might work. Uh, you can have it in front of you. Um, so on the front of the card, there's a place for you to put your name and your information. I want to assure you these cards are confidential. They will only be seen by our financial office, and we need your information to provide you with a record of your giving. Next to your address, there's a place to indicate what step you're taking. And as I shared earlier, the steps are just as important to us as whatever dollar amount God provides. So maybe your step is to make begin giving to make your first thoughtful gift to Grace Chapel. Maybe you've given from time to time, but you want to become a regular giver to Grace. Make it a part of your ongoing life and worship. Maybe you're already a regular giver, but you sense the Lord asking you to, to do something more in the year and the years to come to increase your giving. Maybe your step is to begin tithing or working your way toward tithing a percentage or two at a time. Maybe your step is to move beyond tithing into that experience of abundant giving. And if for some reason you're simply not feeling free or able or led to increase your giving, that's okay too. The Lord might lead you in that direction, but we want to give you a chance to indicate that. The other side of the card gives you a chance to actually indicate and to make a commitment to make your intention for the next couple of years, 2015 and 2016. It also gives you a chance, if you'd like, to make a special one-time gift to kind of get us off to a strong start. Now, let me give you a couple of samples just to kind of help you wrap your head around this. Let's say you're a new giver, and you decide that you're going to begin giving $20 a week to Grace Chapel in 2015. Well, you don't have calculators with you, but that would be $1,040, okay? Every 20 bucks is about $1,000 a year. Let's say in 2016, you say, I'm going to go to $25 a week. Well, that would be $1,300. And then let's say you decide to sell your Tom Brady autographed jersey <laughs> and donate the $100 to the church as a special startup gift, okay? <laughs> that, uh, that would make your two-year intention $2,440. Or let's take a different scenario. Let's say you've been a giver for a while. Let's say you make about $80,000 a year. That's kind of median income for Middlesex County. And let's say you want to work your way towards tithing. So in 2015, you decide to give 5% of your income to the Lord's work. That would be about $4,000. And then in 2016, you want to go ahead and jump to 10% and uh, try that experience. That would be $8,000 
And let's say you have some Apple stock that has appreciated, and you're going to donate $5,000 worth of that to the church. That would make your two-year intention $17,000. Just trying to give you some samples as you make your own decisions. If you let us know how you're going to give, weekly, monthly, annually, that can help us with our planning. As I said, the cards and the amounts are confidential. The pastors, the elders don't have access to your giving information. We will provide you with a record of your intention, but no one's going to come after you. Your intention is between you and the Lord, and we'll trust you to meet them as you are able. Now, if after all this, you're still not ready to make a specific intention today, if you feel like you need a little more time, I'd encourage you today, write still praying on your intention card and participate with us anyway. And then you can turn in another card next week or the week after, or you can do that online as well. If you've already made it, your intention known, but you want to participate, we'd like you to, just write duplicate on there. Or if you feel like Joan, maybe God puts a new number on your heart and you want to increase it a little bit. If you're here from another church, write your church's name in there and place a Grace Chapel and let it become a meaningful moment for you to make a step of, uh, of faith as well. And if in the end you're still not comfortable participating by coming forward, that's fine too. We just want it to be a meaningful moment for you, and we want everybody to be able to participate. Now, if you happen to be watching this message online, you can participate too. You can have a holy moment right where you are. When we're done, at the end of the message, you can go to the website, click on Next, and you can register your intention online as well. So I realize we don't often do things like this at Grace. It feels a little bit different for us. But as I got thinking back over the years... I remember several times that we have marked spiritual moments by coming forward. A couple of times we've come forward to write down the names of people who we were praying for that they would come to know Christ. We've come forward with our sins on a piece of paper and thrown them in a garbage can or posted them on a cross. We've come forward to receive the bread and cup on a Good Friday as a part of our communion celebration. And so today we have an opportunity to come forward and present a make a financial commitment to the Lord and to His work. It just didn't seem right to talk about taking a step of faith and then sit in our seats and pass a plate around. So we literally want to take a step and give everybody a chance to do that. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to release you to your campuses uh, for your intention moment. Uh, we're going to show you a quick video to kind of set up the moment, and uh, then you can participate. Let's bow together as we pray. Lord, we're grateful for all that you have taught us over these past weeks together. We're thankful for the freedom to think about such a challenging, important, practical, personal aspect of our lives and our faith. We're thankful that the Scripture speaks to it so personally and practically. We're thankful for folks who've shared their stories by way of encouragement and example thankful for the freedom to have these conversations with each other. And thankful for the work of your Spirit who ultimately helps us to understand what you would have us to do and then who gives us the faith and the courage to do that. So we invite your Spirit to be at work in our hearts in these next few moments. Make them meaningful ones between each of us and you and a meaningful moment for our community of faith as well. In Jesus' name, amen.